0: Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Hoopjack Podcast Series. I am your host, Christopher Armstead, and we have a lot to talk about today, from the NBA playoffs to personal opinions about the NIL and transfer portal. So we're going to get right into it with the NBA. We got a couple of games tonight. Game three of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Heat, Miami Heat, and the Philadelphia 76ers. And the heat, the Joel Embiid is expected to come back tonight to play at home versus Miami and being down 0-2 in the playoffs is it's going to be a whirlwind of trying to make that comeback. He clears He so for those of you who didn't know Joel Embiid Joel Embiid was in concussion protocol due to an elbow to the head uh, during the Eastern Conference, the first round and he has been in concussion protocol for For the first two games, he is cleared protocol and he's now doubtful for game three. But I think if Philly needs a chance, he he needs to come back tonight. Tonight would be a great chance to come back to to clinch a game at home, considering the first two were in Miami. And I look at it like this this is a must win game for Philly. Otherwise, Miami's going to sweep because Joel Embiid has been the prime, the X factor for this team. Harden has been trying. Maxi has been doing well. But without Embiid, you're not getting the numbers that you would want on at your starting lineup. You're having t- your guys shoot more than the what they need to. But then you have Miami. You have options. Now, without Kyle Lowry, it's going to be tough. And I do believe that Tyler Hero, Dustin Robinson, and Jimmy are all three of them play a big role, and Bam Adebayo is going to have a big night on the boards. So, here's, and, I mean, you look at the Miami Heat, they do have a lot of day-to-days. P.J. Tucker's day-to-day, Gabe Vincent day-to-day, Max Spruce, and Caleb Martin are both day-to-days. And Joel Embiid's the only one who's, you know, he's day-to-day, but that's, you know, he has the opportunity to come back tonight. And I think if Philly wants to come, philly wants to you know make a splash and actually keep the series under control they need to do it because they've lost both games by 10 or more points and i don't think that's what this 76ers team wants to do they do not want to go out on a sweep i don't think they would um and then when you look at the lines tonight uh spread wise it is plus one for 76ers minus one for the heat uh money line is minus 115 for the heat minus 105 for the 76ers over under is 210 and a half i think with the last two games being you know first game not 106 92 that's 198 and second game 119 103 that was at 222 I and mean, when you're looking at the middle i'd take the under well, actually, if Embiid plays tonight, take the over. If he does not play tonight, take the under. That's really it. That's all I'm saying. And then la- next, then that that game tonight, uh, Miami Heat at Philly to play the 76ers is on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Looking forward to that game. Next game of the night, we have the Phoenix Suns heading to Dallas to play the Mavericks. Phoenix up two games to none. And I can see the sweep happening in this series. Phoenix has been on fire. Chris Paul has been playing well as of late. He tends to start off rocky, but when you get him in the fourth quarter, that clutch clutch factor that he presents to the court, that clutch factor that he brings to the team and on and to the game, it's unstoppable. Dallas is projected to win tonight, though, however. Darius Sarek and Torrey Craig are both out or day-to-day. They're the injuries for Phoenix. But Dallas is at a 65.3% to win tonight. And they, and Phoenix is not the favorite. So that's interesting. That's really interesting. Luka Doncic, is. I mean, he's he's done everything for this team. You can try. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie can try. Reggie Bullock can try. These guys are trying. I mean, this Dallas team is a great team, but... It's going to be hard to stop a Phoenix Suns team who went 32-9 and away and have been dominant this postseason. Devin Booker coming back, trying to play like he has been all year. Chris Paul trying to still keep a double-double with points and assists. Aiden just needs to do better on the rebound, man. You've got to show presence on the rebounds. But i take Phoenix to win tonight. The spread is plus one for Phoenix, minus one for the Mavericks. So I might take that plus one. The the money line -105 for the Suns -115 for the Mavericks and the over under is 218 and when you look at both games both games were well game 1 was 7 points 121-114 and then game 2 was one by 20 129-109 i would go with the over i have i have no doubt in my mind that it could be the over in this situation phoenix can obviously move forward into this postseason to where they're going back to the eastern conference the western conference finals and then moving to saturday we have on uh, oh the the game tonight also on espn 9 p.m eastern standard time make sure to tune in guys it's going to be a great game then saturday we have both teams with where it's an even series. both games with an even series we have Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. Is Boston heading to Milwaukee to play the, the Bucks? It's close. Both teams are great. They're both 51 and 31. Milwaukee is 27-14 at home. And without Marcus Smart on the defensive side for Boston, it's gonna be tough. It's really going to be tough for that team. They did win, however, 109 to 86. But long term wise, Marcus Smart brings a great package defensively to that Celtic team. But when you have shooters like Tatum and Brown, Brown went off on game two. He he had a monster night, and I don't think we can take that away from from that going back to this game he had I mean Anthony did his part but Brown had he was 11 of 18 from the field he had 30 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. I mean, what more can you ask from him to do that he hasn't already done? I think that that's just that's just it. He's done so much for this team and it's and what's interesting is when you look at the game it's been kind of hit or miss. Sorry, guys, but it has been hit or miss. And I think what we need to look at really is can that momentum stay up and can that momentum keep moving forward? Because Giannis still can – and because yeah, Giannis can still try. He's 20, he had 28 points, 7 assists, 9 rebounds that game. But the rest of the team – him and Holiday combined for 47 shots and only made 18. That says a lot when you don't have Middleton that it can make it, make, make or break the team. So I think Saturday, I can see Boston taking one away. But I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I want to see what happens. I'm going to take Boston game three because it's going to be close. I think it will be close, playing in a hostile environment. The, the spread is minus 2 for the Bucks, plus 2 for the, the Celtics. So I'm going to take the plus 2. Plus 105 for the money line for the Celtics, minus 125 for the Bucks. I'm going to take the money line. And the over-under, 213. Ooh, with both games being under that, and you're making it 213 for the over-under. If it's consistent, I'm going to take the under because it's been very consistent with being under 213 much less 200 so and you want to give 13 points i might take that and then that game is going to be on abc on saturday at three thirty p.m eastern standard time game three and we can't wait to watch that one and then the last game of the weekend is memphis heading to to the bay area to play golden state series tied one to one and I got to tell you, John ja Morant and that team played hard and worked hard for that win. And both games have been close. Both games have been five points or less for the win. And when you look at the when you look at the box score from Game Two, Curry did his best, but he was a minus 11. He had 27 points, eight assists, nine rebounds, three of 11 from the three, and Clay Thompson was no better with two of 12 from three. It's just not the shooting nights that you want to see from the Splash Brothers. Gary Payton out with a broken wrist, broken arm, and Dylan Brooks was suspended a game for that, and he only had three minutes, so it was early. I think that's going to be a big factor as far as with the lack of him. But I still, I mean, you have reserves in Kyle Anderson, you have Clark. You have Jones, Conker. You have all these guys who can hopefully make a big impact off the bench. But with John Moran leading the scoring with 47, I think he can't do it by himself. 5 of 12 from 3 and 15. He took 31 shots. 31 shots and they still got the win. And it'll just be interesting to see moving forward how that goes. Uh, but, but like I said, looking into that game on Saturday as far as the Lions go you just kind to you wanna see what could happen and um, I, I would like to see Golden State win but if it's gonna be a bad shooting night like it was on in game 2 I can sure as likely see that memphis takes advantage of that and pulls away with the win in the bay area to go up two games to one take that home field advantage home court advantage away looking at the lines it's interesting golden state is a minus seven and memphis is a plus seven for the spread memphis is a plus 240 while green golden state's a minus 300 and it's a 225 and a half point spread and it has that opportunity to be somewhere in the middle if the shooting goes the way it went in game two for golden state take the under but i have confidence that game three they'll come back i might take that over so we'll see how it goes guys it's gonna be a great week of basketball and we're gonna take a quick commercial break when we come back we have our one-on-one hooper profile with basketball coach terrell alfred so stay tuned Welcome back to the HoopJack podcast series, guys. And today, for our, we have a very special guest for our one-on-one Hooper profile. We have Mr. Terrell Alfred here on the show. Mr. Alfred, it's great to have you. Hey, man. Thank you. appreciate uh, Appreciate you bringing me on. No problem, man. So how how has everything been going? I see. You know, you're playing basketball as much as you can. Are you? I see that you're a basketball coach. Are you kind of like a shooting coach, uh, agility coach, anything like that? The kind of work that you're
1: doing. Uh, work that I'm doing, I'm more of on the developmental side. I love training. Um, I do a lot of uh, training, where whether it be with the youth all the way up to guys that's around my level or even higher sometimes, um, you know, just giving guys more reps, more moves to add, um, you know, fine-tuning things, very just paying attention to detail. Uh, but my biggest thing is just especially development with the youth, um, just trying to get them as better as they can.
0: OK, so you're trying to just make sure that they understand the fundamentals, you know, dribbling, passing, everything like that. Yes, sir. And then build from there. OK. And then um, I see that you play. You had a route with you throughout college. You started at Seward County Community College. Is that correct?
1: Uh no, that was so my that was my sophomore year. Uh, freshman year, I started started at um, Dakota College at Bottineau, uh, slow juco that was in um, Bottineau, North Dakota. How was uh, it my first year there?
0: How was that experience for you? Uh,
1: it was interesting, um, very interesting. Um, I got the call to come around actually August first, and um, you know, school college wise starts around like the end of August, like, August twenty fifth around there. So I had to get a lot of paperwork stuff done quick. Um, my first letter of intent that I signed was about twelve dollars. Um, But I really just wanted to play basketball. So I just signed it. But, you know, eventually they found me some more money. Um, I went up there blind. I didn't go on any visits or anything like that. I just wanted to play. So as soon as I got up there, um, you know, I quickly tried to make a name for myself. Um, I did pretty well. Uh, Averaged about 20 points off of a 50, 40, 90 year. Um, So, yeah, it it was special. And that's how I was able to get over to my next school at Seward.
0: And that's kind of interesting. You know, a lot of people have different routes you take. You kind of went on the, the the JUCO route. What what's your experience like as far as the competition level through the JUCO level? Like how would you say it fares to any other like the division like you ended up later at Jamestown? Can you compare like the difference between the JUCO level and while you were at Jamestown?
1: So the biggest um difference that I saw really was sophomore year at Seward. Um, That was a a D1 Juco that I was at. Um, So Juco is really like the entire thing is very cutthroat. It's basically a giant showcase because, you know, all the guys are trying to get those D1 scholarships to their four year or those D2 scholarships. So every game, every practice is a showcase. Um, You know, basically it's it's you, but obviously you want to be able to play as a team because, you know, when you win as a team, they look more than when you're losing. So, um, but it's more individualized per se, because everybody's hungry for it. Um, They're hungry to get to that next level, to get to that four-year, as opposed to where in Jamestown, um, that's already a four-year institution. So it's already established. So the goal is basically a little different. I mean, the goal for JUCO is, you know, you want to win the national championship for JUCO and all that stuff. But the ultimate goal is to get to your four-year and get to the school you really want to go to. Um, but in the four years, it really is just your goal is more team oriented to the point where you know you're really just focused on winning championships. you winning trying to win games, trying to push the program. Um, so it's a lot more we than I, whereas I feel with Juco is a lot more I than we.
0: Absolutely, man. Like you said it's it's the grind, it's a different kind of construct, different kind of motivation in Juco mm-hmm. versus the four year. And I can understand that, you know, it's it's the drive that some people have. Do they want to make that commitment?
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. And then I'll say this: Juco isn't for everybody. Honestly, uh, it was a lot harder in Juco than any other years that I had, because, again, everything is cutthroat. So people are trying to get your position, get your spot anytime. You know what I'm saying like practice, they're they're coming. Th- they're coming for you, whereas opposed to. Um and four years different where you know you have your lineup set up but you know it's still cutthroat where your teammates are trying to you know get that spot from you so you have to basically it's your spot to lose but in JUCO it's really prominent like it's really your spot to lose and anybody can just come in and take it.
0: Absolutely, man. And then talk talk to me about your time at Jamestown. That and the the funny the one how I see it you know they're called the Jamestown Jimmys, JJ. Uh-huh. So but even though I like the name, how how would you describe your experience out at Jamestown? Because you spent two years there for your last two, correct?
1: Yeah, my last two years. Um, Yeah, that experience was was actually one of the best experiences I've had college-wise. I came in. um, The coach already basically already knew what I wanted to do, Um, Coach Neville. He already knew what he needed me to do. He brought me in as a scorer. Um, so I already had my what I what he needed me to do set. So I came in and just um, just focused on that, focused on whatever I could to help the team win. Um, you know, coming from the JUCO, like I went, it was a D2 NAIA. That's what Jamestown is. Um, I went there, and you know, I came off the bench um, behind two All-Americans. You know, there's no com- no complaining or nothing. It was just I wanted to win. That was the main thing. You know, numbers come second to winning for me personally. But I still was able to put up some good numbers. So first year I got there. Um, which was basically my junior year, Uh, we made it all. We we went 29 and five, no, 29 and six overall. And then we made it to the national tournament. We made it to the second round of the tournament where we eventually lost in over. I think it was in overtime to the eventual national champions. Then we lost by about four or five, actually. Um, And I feel like if we would have beat them, we probably would have ended up winning the entire thing. Um, but my junior year was a real special year, first year in. Um, we just we, we just hit the ground running, clicking on all cylinders, figured it out, and then our team was just a bunch of shooters. Um, it kind of fit the style that I play anyway, um, where it's more running, gun, catch and uh, run, shoot. Uh, we, we're fast. We like to play fast, paces quick. We swing the ball. Um, we play for each other. Stuff like that. Practices were intense. Um, it was just, it was all around just, it was a grind. But it was the most fun I had doing it. It, it didn't feel like a job. It really felt more so like, like I was playing with my brothers and, and then we were just trying to win at everything. That's what it felt like.
0: And it's good to hear that y'all had that kind of mentality that it didn't feel forced. That it was you guys yeah. were fun doing it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and we all wanted the same goal.
0: Absolutely. So what was the plan after your time at Jamestown? Did you continue to play basketball competitively or was it kind of you wanted to focus on like what you graduated with?
1: Um, so when I left, um, I mean, initially, once the season was over for my senior year, um, I really wanted to try to play overseas. Um, so I was pushing for that. You know, I even bought the um, the pro ball and I was working out in the facilities with it after after the season was done, but I I graduated during the COVID year. So everyone basically um, basically left for spring break. And school for basically two months after and just um, going through, um, you know, just no one was really there. So we were just in the gym, me and a couple of guys that stayed. We're just in the gym all the time working out, and so I'll just work out that ball, trying to figure it all out. Um, while, while, while I was there, though, um, the guy, the, basically the the man right now at Jamestown, Mason Walters, um, he's a super special talent, 6'9", can do it all. Um, you know, um, I, I started trying to train him with ball handling at first, um, you know, just trying to help him out um, with that stuff on the end that, you know, that he wanted help with. And then I I felt like I started having a knack for it. And then we started going in every day and I started like, you know, adding a little bit to his bag um, every day. And we just sit there playing one-on-ones all the time. And it was always fun. Um, And I think that's where I kind of got the love for it. And then when I moved back to Orlando uh, around June, um, I had a friend of mine that just opened up his own little facility. where he started training and everything like that. And once he heard that I was coming back, he was like, Hey man, um, do you want to hop on and be, um, you know, be a trainer and be a coach and like run the group sessions and everything like that. And I, I said yes, without hesitation. And then it was all she wrote from there, basically. Um, you know, he let me use the gym so I can do individual sessions, group sessions. And then from there, I was basically just able to hone my craft even more and then, you know, work on, explore my options, explore my own bag while, teaching others and helping others, especially um, with the kids and everything like that, Um, I ended up getting more of a reputation of working with a lot more of, like, the younger female hoopers um, because that's who, um, the guy that ran the gym, uh, he ran a girls team. So, like, I would train them, and I was so used to them that it was just easy to kind of just, you know, because when you're training girls compared to when you're training guys, it's a very different dynamic um you have it's more emotions you have to deal with as opposed to with guys you can kind of just be upright and forth um but you know um so it's learning both sides of it and then um i was able to just you know keep growing clientele a bit and then you know just teaching that so i i learned i found out i had a passion for basically teaching the game that's good to hear that that. was good your craft for kind
0: of the next generation of, of kids who want to learn, who want to play the game?
1: Yes, yeah, sir. Um, and then uh, I will say this. Um, I did get a chance to, you know, I did play in some pro tournaments around um, like the Ace League in Orlando. was able to play in that. Uh, played in just about every men's league, just standard of the whistle, just in case that, you know, that pro opportunity came. And it came for a little bit. Uh, we did like a little stint in Puerto Rico. Uh, we won like two tournament championships there. Uh, that was fun, you know. And then we came back up here. And then, you know, I've just been from there, just um, basically training still. And I even hopped into refing as well. Just uh, to stay around the game.
0: Refing, I can tell you, that <laughs> an interesting <laughs> career choice. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's I'm a miss, but I get what you mean.
1: Yeah, it's very different. I see the biggest difference between it is, uh, especially coming from a player standpoint, that's very passionate about the game to go into refing where you can't be biased. You have to basically be very objective and watch the game. You know, you can't. So it it, it turned into a lot of it. When I first started, it was a lot of like ball watching, you know, uh, yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah. hop into the game or you're into the game. Yeah. So you start missing a few calls here and there. But, you know, after you learn a little bit more, you start to start to see and then make those calls um correctly and then just like everything else you kind of want to be good at what you do especially coming from a competitive standpoint you want to be the best at what you do so you know I just kept honing that as well and I think I turned into a pretty good ref I would hope so
0: (laughs) yeah you hope that you don't get a lot of people mad at some calls. exactly took me a while to you know get get through the hazing the heckling and Trying to get everything called right, but you just missed, you're human. You missed some calls. Like it happens. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Talk to me about Lone Wolf Movement. How did you come up with the name and get the chance to kind of work with Boosted Biz to come up with that brand?
1: Uh, So it's not my brand. Um, It's my, it's my, one of my brothers, um, basically, Uh, my boy Justin. Uh, It's his brand. Um, He told me about the vision he had. And then, um, you know, I was all I was all aboard. Um, He's if you know Justin, he's really big on, you know, just social activism. He was out there during the protests and everything like that with Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. Um, He was really big into that. And, um, you know, uh, I just, you know, whatever movement he stood for, I was all with it because that's one of my boys I came up with uh, exceptional Hooper in himself. and. You know, i just been making sure that everybody sees, you know, I have the shirt on and, you know, I rep that brand and people ask me about it. I always tell them, hey, man, look, it's the movement, you know, it's the movement of just positivity, good vibes, um, just leveling up everybody. You know, that's that's what it is. Um, and he's really he's really been big on that. So, um, you know, I have nothing to do with his brand, but I just want to be able to push his brand um, as far as it goes with it. He was the one that created that um on his own and with his with his guys and he put me on with him and you know I've just been basically almost like an ambassador almost you know wearing the shirts here and there people ask me about it I'm there you understand um but that's 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 all of my boy Justin and he like I said he's exceptional hooper he played in the eighth league as well um I feel like he's soon to go pro at some point he's about what six nine jump do all that type of stuff so you know um it's just basically, you know, supporting who supports you. And he's always been there for me, um, always supported me, always made sure I was good. He's a little bit younger than I am, but like I've known him since he was in high school going up. Um, and he he's really, he's been a big supporter with me. Um, so I just want to feed that back into him and his business and be that big supporter for him as well and help him push that brand. And that's good to hear that you
0: want to help a brother out and be an ambassador for his brand as well, and kind of, you know, be a part of that movement as well. Yes, sir. And my last question to you, it actually, before we get into kind of the last question, so kind of growing
1: up, do you grew up in Orlando, kind of in Florida area, or not at all? Actually, no. Um, so I, I, I came out of New York City, actually. Um, I was there for most of my high school uh, career, uh, and I left, and I left to Orlando when I was 17, so I did my la- my senior year in Orlando at Colonial High School, um, and think that was around 2013, I graduated 2013, and um, I really, that's when I kind of started to really grow as a basketball player, because then I started to learn more things, meet, meet new people, build those type of connections down here, to the point where it's been what, nine years since I've, you know, since I've been in Orlando and it was just, just those connections I've been able to make, I've been able to help other kids. Um, I was able to help a couple guys get to, get to some schools that I've, that I've been in contact with, that I know coaches at and stuff like that. So like the same way people help me out. I and mean, I like to, when I get to that, when I got to that point, um, I like to help everybody else out. They needed, you know, a team to hop on for men's leagues for, for film. You know, they can always come to me and be like, hey, like, yo, I need this this, and that. And I can always, you know, point them into the right direction, give them advice on anything. Like I said, I love being a teacher. You know, I get um, some of my guys that's already in college um, now. Like, they'll hit me up and be like, yo, what would you do in this situation um, when it comes to this play? What would you do about this? And we'll sit on the phone for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, no matter how long it takes. And we're going to talk about it and see, you know, what like how best to do things, even if I have to FaceTime when we do certain drills, stuff like that, you know, I'm always there for my guys that, um, you know, that, that I've just been there. Anybody that needs the help, I'm always there. Absolutely, man. That's kind of what how you want to live by. You want to be
0: kind of the guy who pushes that narrative forward to, to help others along the way. Exactly. And my last question is, what advice would you give to the next generation of Basketball players and hoopers wanting to play at the college level or at a high level in general.
1: Um, hone your guard skills. No matter if no matter your size, doesn't matter your size. Hone your guard skills. Um, watch a lot of basketball, um, but watch it in the sense of reads and not watching it just to watch the game. Um, work on your weaknesses. Um, that way, when you go to college, you're fully prepared. One of the biggest things also is work on your cardio. Um, that's, that's big because, you know, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go to school out of shape because that's already a red flag to a lot of coaches. Let's say they bring you up for a workout and you're not even in shape, but you're talking about, oh, I'm going to get in shape for the season. Nah, you have to be already ready. So you don't have to get ready, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Um, that's basically my biggest advice and basically just lock in on what you're supposed to do, you know, um, whether that be schoolwork, all that stuff translates. Um, time management, translates, everything. Treat yourself like a pro now so that when you get to that level, you like you're, you've been there before, you know, you got to act like you've been there before. Um, then just stay the course. Just keep working on your game. Keep working. The lights, when the lights come on, it shows who's really been working in the darkness. So just keep working on your game. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Just keep working on your game. That's all it is. Just keep getting better 1% every day.
0: And that's some great advice, man. And I want to thank you, Terrell, for taking the time to come on the show. Tell us your story, your journey through JUCO, through uh, Jamestown, and now being able to coach the next generation of basketball players to get to that high level. I wish you the best of luck moving forward with your coaching career and just basketball in general. I wish you the best of luck.
1: Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate the time uh, you took the interview me. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um... I think you're doing a great plaf- uh, great platform here. Um, you know, it's reaching a lot of people. So keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll be right back with more Hoop Jacks. So stay tuned.
0: And welcome back, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed my one-on-one profile with Terrell Alfred. I look forward to seeing the progress he makes with his coaching career, as well as his, the work that he ambassador for his brand, Lone Wolf Movement. So be on the lookout for that. Um, next, next item that I want to discuss, and it's been the topic of discussion in college, college sports, and also, and not just college basketball, but in the college sports world in general, is is the transfer portal plus the NIL hurting more schools than it is helping. I think, and I want to take, and I want to take the time to kind of. My experience in college was I didn't... I was Division II tennis. I was not ever going to profit off of my name, image like this at all. Unlike sports like football, basketball. Man, even softball and baseball could have made more than I did. I think... What I do see is that some of the big issues with... um, and this was a stat alone, courtesy of Fan Nation. For example, as the start at the start of the 21 22 portal cycle, which began on August 1st, there were over 1,400—and this is granted, this is football—1,400 FBS football players in the portal. That's a lot in the portal, and coaches and scouts and everybody can look through the portal and see who's open. I think, and this is my opinion it's it's hard to manage something like that when players feel like they're not a lot of it is players not getting the time that they want and they want to go elsewhere but then that says a lot about the school i think it says more to the fact that oh there must be something wrong with the coach oh there must be something wrong with the program so that's why you left i think a lot of times athletes are not forthcoming with why they enter the transfer portal i think that needs to be a discussion topic why did you go to? That needs to be a question somewhere. Why did you go to the transfer portal and have at least a couple sentences explaining why you went? So that way you can assess and see is this the right way to do it. And and uh, Doug Gottlieb, who's a part of Fox Sports Radio, made an interesting comment to like to how it could be a better situation uh, on is on Fox Radio Sports Radio. I think it was a couple days ago. He said, "quote I'll give you a reason for." I'll give you a reasonable solution you cannot get paid for name image and likeness until you have played a season for the university because you can't tell me that your name image and likeness has value when it doesn't until you've played for the university how do you stop guys from using the transfer portal because they are tied together simple you reinstitute the rule where if you transfer you have to sit out for a year it doesn't hurt anybody all it does is delay your nil deal helps you assimilate to the culture and coaching staff of the new school. Can't, so, and then the end of it, he says, two rules. Can't make money until you play the season and you have to sit a year if you transfer. I think it's, I think it's it's going back to what it was before the NIL where you had to sit out. And I think the fact that it's, you have guys, men, women, on nil through and also through the transfer portal immediately playing after that year where they're still profiting off of name engine like this and they haven't played a second in of the season and i think it is interesting because how can you base it off of nothing you want to base you want to base your rep on something you've actually done and high school you're that's basically it you're trying to work your rep. But then you come to college and you don't do nothing. It's okay. Well, we paid you to do this and you're not doing that, so we can revoke it. I think what's going to happen is the it's going to it's going to come a way where college athletes are I'm not saying they they've worked hard for this, so I'm not going to discredit that. However, I think the transfer portal needs to be readjusted to you can't just leave because of because sometimes greener pastures are not always green. Sometimes the decision you make can affect a lot and you can't just transfer because a lot of times if you transfer year to year to year then that's a really big problem. That's not going to look good at anybody. It's like when you go to a job. Why did you get fired from that job and you don't say it? That signals a red flag. And I can tell you red flags are everywhere. Whether you're um whether you're looking for a job transferring the portal or finding a girlfriend or a wife I'm not saying i'm my fault but you know what i mean i know red flags everywhere but i think the core concept for this is the transfer portal can be fixed in a way i think we give it time give it a few give it a year or two we can find a way to make it so that has so no not many people are leaving I think a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to be division one to get a good nil deal you can be division one but you can also be division two division three naia juco there's a lot of people in juco who could probably who, who are doing well with nil and can make money granted they're not d1 but it doesn't have to be d1 and that's kind of moving towards my mindful moment but before i get into that I want to thank our sponsors Boosted Biz and uh, Kenichi Bear. Both are great uh, uh, brands that we have been working with for the show. And first off, Boosted Biz—they have gotten our merch out, so make sure to check it out on their site as well as on our link. Check it out on our uh, Instagram profile; it's on our stories. You can even click on the click on the link tree. Head over to the link, grab yourself a T-shirt, grab yourself a tank top, grab yourself some pants, shorts. Whatever you want, it's there. Make sure to support the brand, support the show. And if you'd like to come on the show, feel free to message. I would love to hear your story, guys. Every story is worth mentioning. Every story is worth hearing. And then our next brand, Kenichi Bear headphones. Have you ever wanted to have a nice pair of soundproof headphones that you don't that you think are overpriced or you don't feel like they're great? Well, check out Kenichi Bear. They're a great brand. You gotta check out the Hibernation Fives. That headf- headset is amazing. I can't wait to get my pair one day. But I know noise-canceling headphones, not only for listening to music, but they're also great wireless gaming headphones. You have a little microphone clip that you can insert into the headphone jack, and it's great. Can't miss out on the opportunity. Head over to our link tree as well. Click on the website, grab yourself a pair of Kenichi Bear headphones, because sometimes a little peace and quiet and soundproof headphones are the way to go folks. And then heading into my mind for a moment, I like to reminisce on the week. You know, it's Friday. I'm glad for the weekend. It's counting down the days to the end of school. And I look and this past week was teacher appreciation weekend. It it makes you realize, you know, what kind of a difference you make to certain people that you because every day I try to I try to do better. I try to do good and try to do the best that I can to help kids with problems, whether it's personal or not. Sometimes personal problems I can't fix. But sometimes personal problems I can relate to because I've been down that path. And I'm not going to give them an answer. I'm just telling my path. And they have to, you know... I'm not saying find out on their own. I'm just saying, you know, there's only so much I can say. There's only so much I can do. But I also know that if I can touch a kid's life, you know, and also make sure that I'm doing the right thing by helping them, that that I'm doing the right thing in life. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I think all in all, that's what we want, is to have people who can be there for us and help us no matter what, make a difference in our lives. And that's going to be it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing show. Like I said, we come out every Monday and Friday, and we're trying to work on instagram live shows on sundays we are in the process of getting a new logo for that and in the process of reminiscing with some of our old colleagues who've been on the show so make sure to tune into that make sure to follow the page make sure to keep listening to the show and remember don't be a bystander be a hooper and keep balling peace